0: Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome back to The Corbett Report. I'm your host, James Corbett of CorbettReport.com, and you're tuned into Questions for Corbett. This week, we're going to take our question from a Corbett Report member in the comment section of the October open thread over at CorbettReport.com, where Big Brother writes, I just want to know the anarchy and agorism solution to policing. Yes, I agree the militarization of police is bad and should be stopped, but there should be some form of high authority that should enforce the laws. We as human beings are not perfect and can be sinful. I don't think to eliminate the policing and having no legal authority in my eyes is just flawed. By having no accountability to wrongs doings is evil and it's an easy recipe for disaster. This is one of the reasons I can't agree with some, not all, of the solutions that James has. I like the libertarian solutions, I like polycentric law. And there's a link to Wikipedia about polycentric law. Well, okay, thank you for the question, big brother. And uh, I would say there is some confusion about this subject and what is being argued for and what isn't. But don't worry, you're not the only one out there with confusion about this. I would say polycentric law is exactly what anarchists are aiming for, some variant thereof. And of course, there are different flavors and different solutions uh, that are being proposed uh, by various thinkers. But... Of course, that's kind of the point, that in a free society, a genuinely free society, there would be many different types of answers to this question of how policing will take place. There is not one-size-fits-all solution that everyone must follow. Different communities will try different things. And I often say, I would I would be tempted to say, let the best idea win, but it's not necessarily a competition. Different people will have different things that they're looking for from their community, and some people will prefer to live in this kind of community or that kind of community, and that's completely their prerogative. So, I think there are some fundamental misconceptions about what anarchistic policing would actually be, and the fact that there is policing in an anarchistic society. What? <laughs> I never thought so. So I, But it's a great question to, to start delving into the real Uh, the real issues when it comes to a free society. And what is it? What does that mean? And how does it function? Well, it starts by taking away the monopoly authority of violence from the state that cannot be wrested away and cannot be in any way reasoned with or abrogated. So that would be the first step. And then what is built on top of that follows from some pretty basic first principles that I know everyone in the audience agrees with. So let's actually break this down with reference to... Questions for Corbett. <laughs> yes. As uh, as Corbett Report uh, user scpat responds in that thread, in the October open thread over at CorbettReport.com. Actually, I asked this on Questions for Corbett some time ago, and James posted a response, and he links to that video. And I realize that now that we've got these shorter, tightly focused on one question versions of Questions for Corbett, those older episodes are going to get lost to... The internet ether, as they are, there are literally hundreds of questions that I've answered in this series, but a lot of them you'll probably it'd be very difficult to search for them. So let's dig up that response and revivify it here. I think it's particularly appropriate since this question of defunding the police question mark or whatever else is so au courant in our current era. I think it is important to take another look at this question and answer. So let's let's do a blast from the past and dig up this answer, which is even more relevant today than it was when it was first posted from a previous edition of this series. Let's move on to the next question. This one from a Corbett Report uh, member on the que- in the comment section from Questions for Corbett 34. S.C. Pat writes, I know that you have ad- identified with the life philosophy of voluntarism, where interaction between people is through voluntary participation. I would like to hear your defense of voluntarism in regards to law and order in a voluntary society. Undoubtedly, there will always be sick and violent people in the world who intend to cause harm to innocent people. Without police, who would stop any person or groups of people from violently extorting, abusing, or causing harm to innocent, defenseless people? Thank you very much for this question, SCPAT, because it addresses... What I think is a fundamental misconception of voluntarism and free society that many, many, many people have. And I understand why, because most people have never even tried to think about what a free society is, little and how it would be done. And I'm not saying that in a condescending way. I know that this is the first thing, including myself, a lot of people have when they first get into this. And they often start with that misconception that there would be no such thing as a police-type force or a police-type uh, organization in a free society. In fact, there would be. More on that in a second. But firstly, I should uh, thank some of the uh, corporate Report members who were doing some of the back and forth and answering the questions in the comment section. I love to see that. So Dan Man Ultra um, responds to SCPAP by pointing out that police don't really stop crime, usually. They generally investigate it after the fact, if you're lucky. Um, And I'm sure everyone, including myself, has had some experience of having had a crime committed against them, and the police... Not even, well, saying that, well, okay, we'll record it, but we can't do anything about it. Uh, In my case, I was parking at West Edmonton Mall because uh, when I was originally coming to Japan and I had to get my visa and there was a consulate in Edmonton or something like that, I'm a Calgarian, so I was in Edmonton, which is enemy territory, as it were, for Calgarians in the friendly, loving rivalry between Calgary and Edmonton. So I was there and I was uh, parked in West Edmonton Mall's parking lot for a few hours, and when I came back, (laughs) my car had been smashed, the window had been smashed, broken into. Nothing was taken that I remember. There was really nothing in there. but They didn't try to take the stereo or anything like that. It was just, I think, random smashing of windows, I think. I don't remember anything being gone. Um, And I remember at that point thinking, well, what do I what do I do? Nothing's really missing. It's just a smashed out window. I mean, clearly it was done. It was intentional. But, what? you know, I I thought, well, did I have a camera or something? So I went to the parking lot attendant. They're like, eh. You know, we have a camera, but not on this particular spot, so we don't know. And I said, well, what can we do? And he said, well, I can call the police. They can come take a report. So we did. Waited for the police. They came, took the report, and did absolutely nothing. they said, well, okay, we'll take the details, but we're not going to investigate. Okay, thank you. <laughs> so that, I mean, I'm sure everyone in the crowd has some example of that where police not only don't stop the crime, they don't even investigate it. And it, we've talked about it on New World next week of entire towns saying, where the police chief or the uh, sheriff is saying, you know what? You guys better defend yourselves because we can't do it for you. Um, craziness like that. Uh, That's one point to be made. Another point, uh, Tyler.c opines, uh, I would love to pay to have a security force for my area where if I wanted to, I could have a security employee fired for doing their job incorrectly or abusing their position in the community. What an incredibly important point because we know that we live in a world of absolutely insane police abuse and violence that is inflicted on the public with essentially nothing that can be done about it. Um, People can get angry about it. People can even protest about it. But ultimately, it does not change the fundamental fact that, at the very best, the most you can hope for is that some police officer is going to get paid leave while they get investigated and then ultimately inevitably exonerated by the police department for their abuse. And we do not have to, you know, dig through mountains of, uh, of news stories to find this. It is literally raining from the skies every single day. Just from this week alone, here are some of the headlines along those lines. Cop charged for punching elderly bathroom attendant because the water was too cold. Uh, man beaten by cop in viral jaywalking video. Beaten again. Stripped naked and mocked by cops. A uh, cop who broke elderly vets' ribs caught on video again attacking innocent grandpa. And, oh, my favorite, I guess, from the, uh, the past week. Cops detain an entire school, illegally search and grope 900 kids, find nothing, parents furious. Oh, wow, what a, you know, what a wonderful, perfect situation. And... What a horrible thing to imagine a free society where, you know, oh, it would, it would be total chaos if we had a free society, right? Um, so I, I understand. People think, oh, freedom, terrible freedom, and there won't be a police force, so it will be total chaos, right? I mean, yeah, we have a police force, but then they're, they're abusive and corrupt, and there's nothing you can do about it. But, you know, they more or less keep the worst at bay. Um but that, that, as I say, is a fundamental misconception. The idea that a free society would not have some policing entities is fundamentally a misconception. In fact, you're right, it wouldn't have a single unitary, monopolistic police force that, that cannot be questioned, cannot be overturned, cannot be defunded, cannot be in any way uh, disengaged with or opposed um, without being beaten down violently. Um, it would have numerous services that would have to compete for customers and which would could be fired when, if, as they abuse their power.
1: Another common but incorrect assumption is that if there were no ruling class or no government, people would have no way of defending themselves against common criminals or foreign invaders. Again, this is simply not true. The government version of protection is inherently hypocritical. Governments will use their hired law enforcers to find and lock up some of the private thugs and thieves and prevent them from preying on people. But every ruling class gets the money for its operations by way of taxation, demanding money from its subjects and punishing those who don't pay up. Oddly, every ruling class insists that it needs to be able to forcibly control and extort money from people in this way in order to protect them from private criminals who might try to forcibly control and extort them. In contrast, if there is no government, people do not lose their inherent right to defend themselves from violence or to defend what they have from those who would take it. Every person has this right, and they also have the right to organize and cooperate with each other to exercise that right. Organizing for mutual defense does not require any government-granted laws or authority. No one wants to be attacked or defrauded, and everyone wants to feel safe. Whether each person takes this on himself or herself individually, or whether they hire and organize others to do it on their behalf, It can be done on a voluntary basis. Those who insist that government is necessary often claim that if there wasn't a government, then smaller private gangs would spring up to enslave and rob people. Organized crime gangs exist along with government, and most people do not understand the dynamics between them and how government enriches and empowers organized crime while appearing to fight it. Black markets enrich organized crime, and money allows them to buy government protection. There's no reason to think they would do as well in an environment of freedom where they would have fewer ways to make money and would be up against both individual and organized armed citizens. A criminal gang that's recognized as such has far less power than a gang whose aggression is perceived to be legitimate and proper. And that's the gang we call government. When thuggery is called law enforcement, and thievery is called taxation, and self-defense is called crime and terrorism, then even the widespread ownership of firearms can't do much to stop the aggression. Imagine a private gang trying to do the things that government does without the aura of authority, and imagine how a well-armed population would respond to this. The gang would fail quickly and dramatically. Another concern that people have when they first consider the idea of a stateless society is that some people are truly malicious, destructive, and sociopathic. The concern is that these people would be free to do anything they wanted and no one would stop them. But this concern is again based on a basic misunderstanding of human nature. Wherever we have a government ruling class, we still have freelance thieves and thugs who are not deterred by the laws of the politicians. In some instances, they are stopped by force by the police or they decide not to commit a crime for fear of what the police might do to them. What makes this deterrence work is not the legislation or the official badges, but the simple threat of harm to the sociopath. It really makes no difference whether the threat comes from the police or another citizen or even another criminal. A sociopath doesn't care about laws or social rules. He cares about avoiding pain and hardship for himself. This is still true when a government ruling class is not involved at all. If the intended target of a would-be carjacker pulls out a gun, it doesn't make any difference to the carjacker whether that person has a badge or whether there's a law against taking people's cars. Discouraging nasty people from hurting others does not require special authority only the ability to use defensive force. Ironically, though people hope that government will protect them, having a government, a gang which is believed to have the right to tax and control people, just creates one gang so big and powerful that normal people can't resist it. In short, to create a huge gang and then give it societal permission to control and extort people with the hope that this gang will prevent theft and thuggery is simply a self-contradictory idea, but that's what government always is. Some people might assume that if people organize for mutual protection and defense, then that's what government is. But there's an essential difference. People coming together to do something that everyone has the right to do, such as defend yourself doesn't require any special authority. It's not government unless one group of people claims the right to do things which others do not have the right to do, such as taxing and controlling innocent people. Organized defense can be very effective without supposing the special right to rule over others, in other words, without being government. In contrast, Governments rob the people they rule of far more wealth than private crooks could ever manage, making the idea of a protector government ridiculous.
0: All right, there are many, many, many other issues that are raised here and objections that will be raised and countering back and forth, but this entire podcast is not devoted to this one question alone, so I'll leave it there. But of course, I would suggest you watch that full video, which I just uh, played a little clip from, so that you can find out about some of the other objections, the very most common objections to anarchism. Uh, but suffice it to say, no. There, just because anarchism-free society does not mean no laws, no rules. It means no rulers. So there is no authority that has some monopoly over violence that can be used to extort you for your money to for protection services, which ensures there are a gang of thugs ruling over you. Um, Again, it's not that it's going to be a lollipop in Wonderland, but it means that you can actually disengage with protective services that abuse their powers. And that is uh, an exceptionally important thing, not to be underestimated. But obviously, this is a huge topic and needs a lot more fleshing out. all right. Hope you enjoyed that. I would say that, again, I hope that people will look at those particular references that I was giving in that answer, uh, the low those many years ago. But also, uh, I will throw in references to other treatments of this question, which, as you might imagine, is not a new question. How would policing work in an anarchistic society is not something that no one has thought of before. <laughs> it has been thought about and written about at great length. Entire forests have been felled. Uh, with the answers to this question. So I'll point you in the direction of some very scholarly works of some length and depth, like uh, Gary Chartier's uh, Anarchy and Legal Order. I'll also throw in some links to some lectures and other things that might be a little bit more accessible, although still I think treat the the subject quite seriously, like um, talks that Bob Murphy has given on this subject. As I say, there's a lot to explore. I hope people will, uh, will do so, because obviously this is an important question. And uh, that's going to do it for this week. Of course, I'm looking forward to talking to you again very soon. James Corbett, Corbett CorbettReport.com.